Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. The tendency to substitute the worship of God with the worship of angels has been with us from the very beginning. In the church at Colossae, Paul wrote a letter, Colossians, and he warned those Christians about the danger of worshiping angels instead of worshiping Jesus Christ. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. People today, both Christians and non-Christians alike, are really fascinated by the idea of angels. But while there are plenty of myths and misconceptions about what angels do, very few people know the truth. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress sheds light on what the Bible really says about these mysterious beings. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. There's a lot of excitement building at Pathway to Victory because we are in the final stages of the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. A group of faithful friends designated $525,000 as an incentive to motivate our listening family to give generously. Our prayer is that we will reach and even exceed our goal so that we can unleash over $1 million in 2023 to reach more people than ever before with the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, the deadline is this Saturday at midnight. So please ask God to guide you on how much to give. Whatever the size, every gift you give will be matched dollar for dollar and doubled up until midnight this coming Saturday. As an added benefit, I've written a brand new daily devotional for you. This leather-bound edition is yours today when you give a generous gift toward the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. While there's still time, be sure to get in touch with us. In addition to the devotional, I've asked our creative team to help me put together a resource that highlights 37 predictions that foretold the coming of Christ. So, in addition to the 2023 Daily Devotional, you'll also receive this brochure called Jesus, the Fulfillment of God's Prophecies. We'll give more details later in the program. Right now, however, it's time to get started with our first study in a very special teaching series this week. There's a lot of speculation about the existence of angels. This week, I've decided to present a clarifying mini-series on this fascinating topic. I'm calling it The Truth About Angels. I don't have to tell you that today there is a growing fascination with the subject of angels. National polls have revealed that 70% of American adults believe in angels. Time magazine estimates that 46% of Americans believe that they have a guardian angel and 32% of adult Americans believe that they have felt an angelic presence in their lives. Certainly in, in the experience of 911, we have now heard accounts of people who felt like they were let out of the World Trade Center by the help of angels. Now, this is something that is, quite frankly, a, a, a recent phenomenon in our country, the interest in angels. Back in 1975, nearly a quarter of a century ago, When Billy Graham penned his landmark book on angels, he said that he could hardly find any material or books on the subject of angels, except perhaps uh, Dr. Level's book, which had come out the year before. But there weren't many books on the subject of angels back then. 
But today, all you have to do is go into the Barnes & Noble or the Borders bookstore and you'll find whole, whole shelves dealing with the subject of angels. The subject of angels are popular in movies today, in television shows like Touched by an Angel. People today are fascinated with the study of angels. Is that a sense, is that proof that we as a country are experiencing a great revival in our country? That people are interested in angels? Or is it an indication of something else? Dr. David Jeremiah, in his book on angels, warns that, quote, the syrupy, sweet, spirit-tingling taste of a little angelism can ruin people's appetite for the good, solid food of God's Word and His gospel of grace and truth. Even Time Magazine agrees with Dr. Jeremiah's assessment when it writes, For those who choke too easily on God and His rules, angels are the handy compromise, all fluff and meringue, kind, non-judgmental. They are available to everyone like aspirin. Another author writes, Angels offer a spirituality devoid of Jesus and God. Belief in God has been depopularized in America so that belief in anything can happen. The search is on for spirituality, but a spirituality without God. And that's what angels offer. The study, the overemphasis on angels, offers many people today a spirituality without God. No wonder Life Magazine calls this new interest in angels, quote, God light. You know, that's really nothing new. The tendency to substitute the worship of God with the worship of angels has been with us from the very beginning. In the church at Colossae, Paul wrote a letter, Colossians, and he warned those Christians about the danger of worshiping angels instead of worshiping Jesus Christ. Remember, there were some in the city of Colossae who with a great deal of false humility said, Oh, we could never approach God. Therefore, instead of worshiping God, we will worship angels. And as we'll see in just a moment, Paul remind the Colossian church that angels were simply created beings created by Jesus Christ whom we should worship. You find the same thing in the book of Hebrews. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. You'll remember that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who because of persecution were in danger of abandoning their Christian faith and going back into Judaism. Indeed, the Jews of that day were saying to these Jewish Christians, why have you become Christians? You don't need Christianity. Why, Judaism has everything Christianity does. It has prophets, it has sacrifice for sins, it has Moses, and yes, Judaism also has angels. Why would you need Jesus Christ? And the writer of Hebrews penned this letter to prove that Jesus Christ is superior to every element of the Jew Jewish faith. He is the superior sacrifice. He is superior to the Old Covenant. And yes, He is superior to angels. Look at verse 4, which is the backdrop of our message tonight. In talking about Jesus, it says, Having become as much better than the angels, He has inherited a far more excellent name than they. But before we look at that passage, I thought it would be helpful for us to begin 
this three-part series on the subject of angels by looking at what the Bible says about the subject of angels. So following along with your outlines and with an open Bible in your hand, let's look tonight at what the Bible as a whole teaches us about angels. First of all, the reality of angels. As I said a moment ago, there are some today, even among Christians, who overemphasize the importance of angels. On the other hand, there have always been people who underestimated angels or even denied their existence. One of those groups in Judaism was a group called the Sadducees. You've heard of the Sadducees before. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in life after death. They didn't believe in heaven and they didn't believe in angels. One way I remember that is the reasons uh, the Sadducees were the way they were is they didn't believe in heaven and therefore they were sad, you see. Anybody who doesn't believe in heaven is going to be sad. Well, that was the Sadducees. They didn't believe in angels. Now, if you don't believe that God has a sense of humor, <laughs> remember the story in Acts chapter 5 when right after the beginning of the church, the apostles were imprisoned for preaching the gospel. In fact, we've got time tonight. Turn over to Acts chapter 5 for just a moment. Acts 5, verse 17. But the high priest rose up along with all of his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. And they laid hands on the apostles, and they put them in public jail. Verse 19. And an angel of the Lord, now this isn't the angel of the Lord, not Jesus, but an angel of the Lord during the night opened the gates of the prison and taking the apostles out, he said, go your way, stand and speak to the people, that is the Sadducees in the temple, the whole message of this life. Now, can you imagine here are these, these apostles, they've been in prison, they've been in chains, the angel comes and releases them. And these apostles appear before the Sadducees with the chains dangling from their arms. And they say, now tell us one more time why you don't believe in angels. Now that's what happened. God has a sense of humor. The angels were responsible for freeing the apostles. Now, the Sadducees denied the existence of angels. But you can't believe the Bible and not believe in angels. In the Bible, there are over 275 direct references to the subject of the angels. As we put this teaching together, what do we find out about angels? First of all, let's talk about their creation. The angels have not always existed. There was a point in time in which they were created. Again, jot down Colossians 1.16. In talking about Jesus Christ, Paul says, For by Him, Jesus, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth. See that division? The things in heaven and the things on earth. Both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that's a reference to angels, all things were created by Him and for Him. There was a point in time in which the angels were created. When did that happen? In Job 38, verse 4. Remember, God asked Job this question. He said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And then in verse 7, he adds, where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? 
It's very clear from Job 38 verse 7 that the angels were already created by the third day of creation. That is when the earth was formed. And I personally believe they existed far beyond, far before that. But the truth is angels were created beings. Now how many angels were created when God the Lord Jesus Christ called them into existence? Hebrews 12 verse 22 speaks of thousands upon thousands of angels. Psalm 68 verse 17 speaks of 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels. You find the same thing in Daniel 7 verse 10. Remember in Revelation chapter 5 verse 11, the apostle John looked around and he saw angels, thousands upon thousands, ten thousands of times ten thousands, myriad of angels, he says. That Greek word myriad means literally 10,000. And John said, I saw 10,000s times 10,000s. That is a reference to hundreds of millions of angels. Now here's what's interesting. The number of angels has never changed. There are always and always will be the exact same number of angels as there were that day when the Lord Jesus Christ created them. The number of angels never decreases. They never die. Even though they were created, they were created eternal beings. They never die. Now a third of them chose to follow Satan, as we'll talk about in a moment. And they were cast down from heaven. But nevertheless, their number never changes. Their number neither decreases, nor does their number increase. Remember in Luke chapter 20, verse 27, he was talking to the Jewish leaders, Jesus was, and he said... And again, it was the Sadducees who tried to trick him up on that question about a woman who had been married seven times. Which one will be her husband in heaven? He said, haven't you read the scripture? He said, there's not going to be marriage in heaven, but we're going to be like the angels who do not give to one another in marriage. That is, the angels do not procreate. There is no creation of new angels. They were a direct creation of God, and therefore their number never changes. By the way, parents, never tell your children that when they die, they become angels. They don't. Uh, they become greater than the angels. If they're Christians, they will one day be ruler over the angels. But their creation... It occurred before the foundation of the world, and it was hundreds of millions of angels. Secondly, let's look at what the Bible says about their personality. Their personality. Angels have personality. Just like you have personality, and I have personality. Besides physiology, what is it that separates me from this podium? It's the fact that I have a personality. This podium does not. Specifically, there are three ingredients of a personality. There is, first of all, an intellect. There is emotion. And there is will, determination. Intellect, emotion, and will are what form personality. It's what distinguishes a person from an object. Now, let's look at angels. Do angels have intellect? Yes, they do. The Bible says, in some ways, the angel's intellect exceeds that of you and me. In Ezekiel 28, verse 17, uh, the Bible tells us that Satan, who was originally God's chief angel, was corrupted by the wisdom he possessed. 
Because the angels have been around longer than you and I have, uh, the fact is uh, they understand things that you and I just don't understand or believe. For example, in Revelation 10 and chapter 17, it says that the angels know something about God's future plans that we don't understand. By the way, even the fallen angels, the demons, possess greater knowledge than we do in, in one sense. In Mark chapter 1, verse 24 and verse 34, the Bible says that even the demons recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. By the way, James said the same thing. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons even believe this and they shudder. Literally, the hair stands up on the back of their necks. You know, that truth that demons understand that Jesus is the Son of God should dispel forever the idea that believing that Jesus is the Son of God is enough to get you into heaven. It's not enough to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I must believe He is my Savior. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world. I must believe He died for my sins. That's what makes Christianity different than mere intellectual assent. To be a Christian means you place your whole faith and trust your entire weight on the fact that Jesus died for you. The demons, the demons understand that Jesus was the Son of God. They have intellect, and yet they are also limited in their intellect. For example, they don't know the time of Christ's return. Even uh, 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 the Bible says Jesus himself doesn't know the time of his return. Only God the Father knows. Not only that, they don't understand everything about salvation. In 1 Peter 1, verses 11 and 12, Peter says that the, 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 the angels look down with amazement at the fact that God chose to save you and save me. They long to look into the mystery of salvation. By the way, did you know that one of the chief reasons God saved you and He saved me was for benefit of the angels? In Ephesians 2.7 and Ephesians 3.10, Paul said that God has saved us so that He can prove to all of the heavenly existence that He is truly a God of love and compassion. You and I are exhibit A of God's love and forgiveness. He saved us to prove to the angels what a good, kind, and loving God He is. Their intellect. Number two, the Bible speaks of the angels' emotion. They have, a, they have emotion. In Job 38, verse 7, they clapped. They sang for joy when the earth was created. Not only that, in Isaiah 6, verse 3, when Isaiah saw the vision of heaven, he saw the angels worshiping God. In Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus said, When someone trusts in Christ as Savior, the angels rejoice in heaven. They have emotion. And number three, they have a will. That is, they determine to follow a course of action, and they do so. For example, Lucifer, that is, Satan originally chose to disobey God. A third of the angels chose to follow Satan in his rebellion. Two-thirds of the angels chose to be faithful to God. Apparently, both choices were irreversible. No elect angel, no angel in heaven today will ever fall and no fallen angel will ever be redeemed. The angels have a will. Now we've talked 
about their reality, their creation. We've talked about their personality. Let's talk about their appearance. What about their appearance? Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews 1, verse 14. In speaking of the angels, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Angels are spirits. And that means they are invisible. But ladies and gentlemen, just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. Some of the most real things in our world are invisible to our eyes. We don't see electricity, but we use its power every day. We don't see genes and chromosomes or germs. They are invisible to the naked eye, but would anybody here deny their reality? It's the same way with angels. Angels are invisible, but they are nevertheless real. And even though angels don't possess a body, the Bible teaches that they still have some of the same limitations that we have in human bodies, specifically in regard to time and space. Jot down Daniel 9, verses 21 to 23. Daniel speaks of angels moving from one place to another place quickly. Daniel 10 speaks of an angel who was delayed because of another spirit. From these references, we can deduce that angels are not like God in this sense. First of all, they're limited by time. And not only that, they are limited by space. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But the angels can only be one place at one time. Not only that, they are localized. When we get to Ephesians chapter 6 in our study of Ephesians, we'll find the different descriptions of the heavenly order, uh, rulers, uh, authorities, dominions. I believe those are the different ranks of angels. There are different ranks of angels and I believe different ranks of demons as well. Angels are also localized not only by their rank but by their particular assignment. I think there's good evidence in the Bible that there are certain angels who have as their task the protection of certain countries. For example, the Bible says that Michael, the archangel, is the defender of Israel. I believe we as a country have a, an angel that is assigned to protect our country to make sure that God's purpose and plan are carried out. Now before I turn the microphone back over to David, let me urge you to take a few moments today to contact Pathway to Victory with your special year-end gift. With so much turmoil in our country, we're asking God to help us expand our influence, not only in America, but around the world. Gratefully, there's an active matching challenge right now in the amount of $525,000. This plan allows us to double the size of your December year-end gift so that your gift of, say, $100 becomes $200. Your gift of $300 would become $600. A $1,000 gift would become $2,000. You pick the amount, and it's automatically matched and doubled. Now, the deadline for receiving your gift is Saturday at midnight, December 31st. To say thank you for participating, I'm eager to send you the brand new and exclusive Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. This is one of the most beautiful and comprehensive books we've ever offered, with inspirational chapters to fill out every weekday in the coming new year. It's bound in slate blue leather, and it's something you'll treasure for years to come.
Don't forget that when you respond today, I'll also include the multi-folded brochure called Jesus, the Fulfillment of God's Prophecies. This brochure demonstrates how 37 specific prophecies about Christ's ministry and life were fulfilled. So, there's really never been a better time to invest in Pathway to Victory than right now. Would you be among those who join us in this all-out effort to reach even more people with hope and comfort? God will use your generosity to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support this ministry, we'll send you a copy of the all-new leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965. And you can also visit our website if you'd like, ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, Celebrate the Savior. You'll get that on both CD and DVD, featuring the most inspiring messages from Dr. Robert Jeffress on the events surrounding the birth of Christ. Plus, the included music CD features the very best Christmas music performances by the incredible First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. And because of our Light in the Darkness matching challenge, any gift you give today will be double in impact meaning there's never been a better time to give to Pathway to Victory. But this opportunity will only last until December 31st at midnight. Call us toll-free, 866-999-2965, or go to ptv.org. You know, a lot of listeners prefer to write, here's the address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress concludes his message called The Truth About Angels. That's Tuesday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.